Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. This message was preached in 1995 at the Inner Church Holiness Convention in Dayton, Ohio by Rev. B.J. Walker, and it is titled, The Canaan Land Experience. I trust you enjoy this message. It's kind of hard to follow that. The best wine has already been served, I can tell you that. <clears throat> but I really appreciated the message of the songs. Somebody said uh, <clears throat> the cry of the Old Testament was, Where's the Lamb? The cry of the New Testament was, Behold the Lamb. The cry of eternity will be, Worthy is the Lamb. <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> you know, in the book of Exodus, it uh, talks about a Lamb. Then it talks about the Lamb. And then it talks about your lamb personal your lamb he's my lamb tonight praise God you're human I'm human I look at all these faces tonight looking at me I'm one and you're many do I have any friends out there on I see a lot of eyes out there and a lot of faces a lot of Tired bodies. Are you tired? Anybody tired? I've been in service since nine o'clock. I'm tired, <clears throat> but it's uh, it's a quarter to nine. What am I supposed to do? I was talking about the service the other day to my wife. You know, you get a little bit apprehensive, and if you've never been up here, I said to one older minister, a little older than myself, I said, "Have you ever preached to die eight C?" He said, "No, sir." He said, I'm not going to get up there and expose my ignorance. I said, are you calling me ignorant? <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> my wife said, uh, she said, just be yourself and forget the time and preach the truth. <laughs> That's what she told me. Now that might be easy for me. I don't know how easy it'll be for you. But in the book of Deuteronomy, and I hope that you'll stay with me, I'll speak as rapidly as I can, and maybe have to leave off a few things, but I'll get through this just as quick as I can. In the book of Deuteronomy, I'm just going to read one verse, verse 8, chapter 1, verse 8. The words of the Lord to Israel, Behold, I have set the land before you, Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after them. 
One commentator I read said this word possess is mentioned 52 times in the book of Deuteronomy. Possess, possess. Go in and possess the land. Claim the land. You're going to have to fight for it. There are seven nations over there bigger than stronger than you are, but go in and possess it. And dispossess them and you take possession of it. And uh, I would like to use for a little subject tonight, the holy land is a type of the holy life. The holy land is a type of the holy life. Now some would uh, suggest to us tonight that the holy land, uh, Canaan, Beulah, whatever you want to call it, is a type of heaven. And I wouldn't fall out with anybody over that uh, interpretation, but really, friends, studying the book of Hebrews, I am convinced that the Holy Land is a type of holiness and not heaven. Many reasons why I don't believe it's a type of heaven. For instance, they had a lot of wars and battles and conflicts in the land of Canaan. But when we get to heaven, the warfare is over. There will be no fighting and wars and battles and conflicts in heaven. And another thing, people died over there. They died and had funerals in, 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 in Canaan land, but... But, it, but in heaven but in, in heaven, people don't die, neither shall they die anymore. There's lots of reasons why I don't believe that uh, Canaan's a type of heaven, but I believe it's a type of holiness. Um, and and I'm, using, I'm using a, a typology message tonight, and I know types won't always hold up all the way through, but, but I would like to suggest to you tonight that Pharaoh is a type of the devil, and that Egypt is a type of the world and sin, and I would like to suggest to you tonight that uh, the wilderness is a type of what happens uh, when a believer comes to the knowledge and the light of holiness and rejects it and rebels against it. And then I would like to suggest tonight that the Holy Land is a type of holiness of heart and holiness of life. Now, <clears throat> let's go back in our minds just for a few minutes tonight. To get into the Holy Land, to get into Beulah Land, to get into Canaan, the first thing Israel had to do was to forsake Egypt. They had to leave Egypt. They had to bid Egypt farewell and goodbye. And, uh, and that's what we're going to have to do if we ever get there. We're going to have to bid this world goodbye. I'll bid the world farewell. Amen. And of course, you know, uh, God's people had been down in Egypt for nearly 400 years and they'd become a race of slaves and they were being oppressed by Pharaoh and, and the going was getting hard and, and they began to pray and God raised up Moses and sent Moses and Aaron to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Well, Pharaoh uh, offered four compromises to Moses. He said, number one, go sacrifice in the land. You don't have to leave Egypt. Stay right here and sacrifice to your God in the land. Moses said, no, we got to leave Egypt. We got to get out of here. And he offered another sacrifice and he said, okay, but only you shall not go very far away. Don't go, don't get out, you know, in the deep, you know, not, don't go very far. And Moses rejected that. Then he said, all right. He said, go ye that are men. He's suggesting leave your wives and children and family here. Pharaoh had enough sense to know that if mom and the kids stayed there, wouldn't be long ago dad would be coming back. No, sir. Moses said, we're going. Our women are going and our children are going. We're all going. Amen. 
Well, he said, if that be the case, he said, go ahead, but leave all your flocks and, and all your herds here with me. No, sir. Moses said there won't be one hoof left behind. Not one hoof. We're going we're gonna to make a clean break with Egypt. We're going to a better country. We're going to Canaan. Well, you know, Pharaoh hardened his heart and finally God sent the plagues and there came that last plague which was the death of the firstborn and, but God told Israel to slay a lamb and, and sprinkle the blood on the doorpost and on the lentils and, and roast the lamb and eat all of it and eat unleavened bread and, and he told them, you know, how they could escape uh, this death and destruction by, by the death angel and so they did that. And it was going to take place at midnight. And so they sprinkled the blood. They, they, they sacrificed the lamb. And they got everything ready. They packed up. Sometime in the morning they pulled out and was leaving Egypt. As they started their exodus going to Canaan. You know about that time a light began to shine. God came with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day and he led them every step of the way out of that darkness, out of the land of Egypt. They were led by the light. Lead kindly light. Jesus said, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Finally, he led them down to the mighty Red Sea. And I'd like to suggest what happened at the Red Sea is a type of regeneration or the first work of grace, of getting saved. So he led them down there, and some have said there was about three million of them. And they're standing there by the banks of the mighty Red Sea and there's no, there's no bridge to get across and, and there's no ship waiting on them and there's no submarine, there's no ferry boat to get to the other side. And they said, Lord, what? they said, Moses, how are we going to get across? My, my, what, what, what's going to happen here? And you know, you know what, whatever happened at the Red Sea, whatever took place, God called it salvation. And, and, and Moses said to the people, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now you just stand and watch and look and see what God's going to do. All right, and so, and so you say, well, Brother Walker, how did they get across the Red Sea anyway? They crossed it by faith. Through faith. They passed through the, the Red Sea as by dry land. They got across by faith. That's what the Hebrews said. Through faith, they crossed the Red Sea as by dry land. And if you want to get out of Egypt tonight and get old-time religion, it's going to take an act of faith on your part. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God's raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's good to weep, it's good to cry, it's good to repent. And pray. But there comes that point when you must believe God. You must embrace Jesus. You must trust God to do it for you. So I understand they got across the Red Sea by exercising faith in God and God split the water and, and stacked the water up on either side and dried up, dried up the mud. It said they were on dry ground. He even dried up the mud and the babies are walking through there barefooted, didn't get him any mud between their toes, amen. It was a dry land. So they got, they got out of there by faith. And second thing I'd like for you to notice, they got through there by grace. Did you ever read what it says 
Israel went up harnessed. Did you ever read that? I never noticed it before. He said Israel left Egypt and went up harnessed. Well, I didn't know what that meant. And I looked it up and it said they went out of there by fives. By fives. And then I read and I discovered number five is the number of grace. So they're saved by grace through faith. That's how you got saved. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, not of works lest any man should boast. It's the gift of God. I read one man said, one man said what happened was, I mean, they didn't just rush into this thing, a pandemonium and panic, you know, like a bunch of scared cattle. No, sir, they went through there highly organized. One commentator said there were five divisions. He said there went the vanguard that led the way. Right behind the vanguard was another section, another division, and then the third division was the rear guard. So there was three in the middle. And he said God put another, another division on the right flank and another division on the left flank. And so I could see that. I got up above that thing and I looked down and I saw a picture of the cross. Oh, to them which perish, the preaching of the cross is foolishness, but to us who believe, it is the power of God. I must needs go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. I shall never get sight of the gates of light if the way of the cross I miss. By the cross. God forbid that I should glory saving the cross of Christ my Lord. And so this crowd gets out there right in the middle of the Red Sea and Moses said, hold it, hold it. Let's have a baptismal service. Amen. As a testimony that we're through with Egypt. We're leaving Egypt. We're forsaking Egypt. Amen. So they stopped and they had a baptismal service right in the middle of the Red Sea standing on dry ground. I looked this up. You know that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. They were all baptized. Now do you say what they were they sprinkled or were they poured you just figure that out there's a standing on dry ground in the midst of the sea and in the cloud and they had a baptismal service and when the baptismal service was on they, they finished and they, they crossed and, and got up on the other shore and I'll tell you what took place when that crowd of slaves had been delivered <laughs> and they set free Oh my God Almighty, they were free at last, free at last, hallelujah. I'll tell you what they did. It said, then sang Moses and the children of Israel broke out in song and they danced and shouted and played their tambourines up and down the shores of the Red Sea. Bless God, we're free at last. I don't see how in this world all this are quiet. We're free tonight. Praise God. We've got a right to shout. We've got a right to sing. We've got a right to praise God. I don't see how we're as quiet as we are. I'll tell you what. There is no record they ever sang down in the land of Egypt. 
there was a lot of sobbing and there was a lot of sighing. Never once did they ever sing. But I'll tell you immediately when they met God's salvation and got on the sweet shores of deliverance, they all started singing. Somebody said a bird doesn't sing uh, because it has the answer. It sings because it's got a song in his heart. Hallelujah. I'm glad to tell you God Almighty can put a song in your heart. When they got over there, they started their journey through the wilderness. They went a little ways. Here's this crowd. There wasn't any water. They found some water. But it was so bitter. They called it Marah. They couldn't drink it. But God sweetened the water. Amen. You said, Brother Walker, if I, if I get saved, how will I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease? Not necessarily so. God never promised you that. I'll tell you what he did promise. Lo, I'm with you always. I'll never forsake you. I'll never, I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. I'll never let anything come on you. Too hey, too strong. But I'll, I'll, I'll give you grace to bear it. Amen. But you know, when they passed that bitter waters, they went on down a little ways and they came to an oasis and it was called Elam. Elam. And I'll tell you, maybe some of you have been saved recently and it's been bitter. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's been bitter in the home. Maybe there's bitterness where you are. You're going through a bitter time. Don't quit. Don't go back to Egypt. Keep on right down the road. God Almighty has an oasis waiting on you. Now I'll tell you, when they got down there, they found 12 wells of water and they found 70 palm trees. Well, there's 12 months in the year. That'll give you a well for every month in the year. Three score and 10, that'll be a palm tree for every year of your life. Keep on going. God's got, a, God's got an oasis down the road somewhere. Hallelujah. And so, wasn't God good? He led them on. At night, here's three million people in the darkness of the Arabian desert. And God would take that cloud and he would stand it perpendicular and it would light up the whole vicinity, a pillar of fire. For 40 years, the light never dimmed. 40 years, the light never flickered. For 40 years, they never had a blackout. 40 years, they never had to pay a, a light bill. Praise God. They had light every night. And then of a day when it would get hot, God considered those mothers and those babies. And so God would let that pillar of fire turn into a big cloud, a canopy. And God made an umbrella and put it over his people, a shade from the burning of the noontide heat. Wasn't that God to do that? A fire by night and a cloud by day to lead them. Hallelujah. And when the cloud moved, they moved. And when the cloud stopped, brother, they stopped. If we could learn that, to move when God moves and to quit when God says stop. They went on their way. Finally, they came to Mount Sinai and camped there a long time. And there the law was given. The pattern of the tabernacle was given. Now God said you dwelt long enough in this mount. Be on your way. And the Bible said from Mount Horeb to Kadesh Barnea is 11 days journey. From that point, they could have been in Canaan in 11 days. Oh friend, if you'll walk in the light, if you'll ask God, if you'll hunger and thirst, you don't have to wait a long time to get into spiritual Canaan. If you'll mind God. They went on their way. 
Finally, they came to a place. The Bible called Kadesh, Barnea. I was reading Dr. George Watson's book some time ago. Dr. Watson said the word Kadesh comes from a Hebrew word. That means holy. And the word Barnea means delight. They're on the threshold of the delights of holiness. I thought that is good. Friend, holiness is delightful. Holiness is wonderful. They were right on the verge of the delights of holiness. Some here, oh, it's not of this and that and the other. Oh, no, friend. You can enjoy. You can enjoy holiness. You're not going to go around looking like you've been baptized in lemon juice or your mother-in-law moved in on you for about a year. It's a wonderful place to be. When they got there, they said, well, Moses, we better spy out the land, see what kind of country Canaan is and see if there, what kind of people's over there, what kind of fruit grows over there. Is it a good land or a bad land? And so they selected 12 spies. These men are called princes. Really, they were preachers. And so they sent out 12 preachers to spy out the land for 40 days and nights. They were to come back and bring the report and show some of the fruits of Canaan. And so for 40 days and nights, they spied out the land. And after that, they returned to camp. And each man gave his testimony. You remember those 10 men? They said, it's true. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a land of corn and wine. But they said the walls reach to heaven. And, and oh, it's a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And we're, they're so big, we look like grasshoppers in their sight. And, the, and their report so disheartened and so discouraged the people that's about ready to stone Moses and go back to Egypt. They brought an evil report upon God's land. How many here tonight know the names of those 10 men that brought that evil report upon Canaan land? I doubt if any of us could call even one of their names. But there were two others by the name of Joshua and Caleb. And they said, wait a minute. We want to give our testimony. It's a good land and it's flowing with milk and honey. It's a land of corn and wine. Their defense has departed from them. Let's go up at once and possess the land. We'll eat them up like bread. Their defense has departed. God's going to give us the land. But you know who the crowd believed. They believed the majority. Ten gave a bad report. Two gave a good one. And the crowd believed that evil report. How it is today. I'll tell you ten out of twelve preachers will tell you holiness is good. But you can't have it. And neither can you live it. And that's what most people believe. I'll tell you friends. We're in the minority tonight. But Joshua wholly followed the Lord. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. Is wholly follow the Lord. And if you'll wholly follow the Lord, you too can get in to the good land. Hallelujah. Oh my. You say, my brother Walker, did they go in? No, sir, they didn't. They did not go in. They could have been there in 11 days. But instead, 40 years later. So how come they didn't go in, Brother Walker? About three or four reasons. Number one, it was because of rebellion. Notwithstanding, you would not go up but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. Number two, unbelief. 
Yet in this thing you did not believe the Lord your God. And the Lord heard the voice of your words and was wroth and swore saying, Surely they shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land which I swear to give unto their fathers. Not one of them. 650,000 men. Not one of them will ever see it. And they died and buried their carcasses in the sand of the desert. You see, friend, the tragedy of rejecting holiness. It's perilous. It's a tragedy. It's dangerous when you see the light and rebel against it and reject it. Obedience, rebellion, and unbelief kept them out until they bleached their bones in the desert. Forty years later, under the leadership of Joshua, they crossed the River Jordan and went in. And the first thing they did when they got in, they had a shout and spell. They shouted down the walls of Jericho. First thing they did, they shouted down the walls of Jericho. You know, friends, I, somebody said, uh, preacher, it's not all in noise. I understand that. But I'll declare it's not all in this quietness either. I heard one man say, you know, he said, I was born in the fire and I can't get used to this smoke. Some of us, some of us have seen the fire and have experienced a little bit. I got in on the tail end of it. I tell you, it's been some years now, but, but when I got in, the pilgrims still had some fire. The Nazarene still had some fire and the, and the Wesley Methodists still had some fire and the friends had some fire. I got in on it before we started into this apostasy that we're in today. But I'm gonna tell you something. I was 16 years old and I saw enough and I felt enough and I experienced enough that I don't want anything but the glory. I believe all of our hearts are crying out for the glory that belongs to us. I have given them the glory. John 17. That belongs to the church. And if we don't have that, we're no different from any other outfit. We're no different than the Masons or the Mooses or the Get Looses. There's no difference. And I believe if you and I will contend for it, God will see to it that we have it. Let me know. Let me very quickly. Let me very quickly. And I'll speak. You folk of listen fast. Will you listen fast? Will you listen fast? And I'm going to get through this real quick as I can. I want to give you five things that characterize the land of Canaan. First of all, I want you to notice that the land of Canaan was a chosen land. And God said to Abraham, Get thee unto a land that I will show thee. All Abraham had to do was just mind God and follow the Lord. God said, I'm going to show you the land. And so God picked it out. God chose it. In that day that I lifted up my hand unto them to bring them forth of the land of Egypt into a land that I had espied for them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands. Canaan lands, the glory of all lands. Not Salt Lake City, Utah. That's not Canaan. In case you misunderstood uh, Utah, Salt Lake City is not the promised land. Because the glory of all that, you say, how come preacher? Well, the, the prophets of Israel prophesied there. Solomon's temple was built there. 
and the scriptures were written there and Jesus was born there. The Holy Ghost was poured out there and the church began there and when Jesus comes back to establish his throne, he's gonna sit in Jerusalem, King of kings and Lord of lords. It was a chosen land and you know holiness, the Bible said he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in God has chosen us to be holy. Now the question is, do I choose to be holy? Your choice is yours. You can, you can receive it or you can reject it. But if you reject it, my friend, you will be the loser. Second thing I noticed about Canaan was it was a promised land. Not only chosen, but it was promised land. Yes, sir, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise. You see, it was promised to Abraham, it was promised to Isaac, and it was promised to Jacob and to all their descendants. You can find it over and over in the scripture, the promised land. I promised it, I promised it, I promised it. Now whatever, whatever Canaan was to the old Jew, holiness is to the New Testament church. Very, a lot of similarities between the two. It was a promised land. Now folks, I don't really know how many promises are in the Bible? Somebody said there's 33,000 promises. I really don't know, but there's a lot in there. But I found out one thing. There's only one promise in the Bible that's called the promise. Wait for the promise of the Father. Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you. The Holy Spirit is the promise. On the day of Pentecost, Peter said, the promise is unto you, to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The gift of the Holy Spirit in his sanctifying power is promised to every believer. And we may have it too. If it's promised, we can have it. For all the promises of God in him are yea and amen. It was a chosen land. It was a promised land. Hurriedly, I noticed further that it was it was a given land. It was a gift. Hallelujah. Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art, Abraham, northward, southward, eastward, westward, all the land that thou seest, to thee will I give it. To thy seed forever arise and walk through the land in the length of it, the breadth of it. I will give it unto thee. You will have houses that you never built, wells that you never digged, vineyards that you never planted. It was God said, I'm going to give it to you because of your relationship to me. They didn't have to, it was free. They didn't have to pay for it. They didn't have to work for it. They didn't have to earn it. They didn't merit it. It was a gift of God to his redeemed people. Look like anybody and everybody want to be holy. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? I got in an argument one time with an old preacher. He said, BJ, he said, the Holy Ghost is a gift and you don't ask for gifts. I said, I beg to differ with you, sir. Here's one gift you'll never get if you don't ask for it. He gives the Holy Spirit to them that ask for it, ask him for it. Have you asked for the Holy Spirit to come in his fullness? R.A. Torrey, one of the great preachers of yesteryear said, God never gave this blessing to any man who felt like he could get along without it. I'm hurrying. Next I noticed it was 
Canaan was a restful land. Restful. I like that. You are not yet as come to the rest and to the inheritance which the Lord your God giveth you. But when you go over Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God giveth you to inherit, when He giveth you rest from all your enemies round about so that you dwell in safety. Cain was safe land. God said, when you get there, you can rest. There wasn't any rest in Egypt. There was very little or not much rest at all passing through the wilderness. But when you get to Canaan, God said, you can rest. Now whatever else holiness is and whatever else it'll do for you, I've discovered it'll, it'll give you rest in your soul. A rest unto the people of God. The Bible said, let us labor to enter into that rest. We which have believed do enter into rest. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, I'm meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your soul. One rest is given and the other's found. Have you found the second rest? It was a land of rest. Rest from the carnal mind. Rest from the warring of inbred sin. Rest. It's this feel like Sunday all the time. It's Sabbath keeping all the time. You're resting, oh resting. Now rest my long divided heart on this blissful center rest. Hallelujah, the sanctified have a deep, tranquil rest in their soul. I tell you, that's good for high blood pressure. That's good for an ulcerated stomach. It might even keep you from developing high blood and ulcerated stomach. Takes out the tension, most of it. Now let me wind down here. I notice... The Bible, said, the Bible said it was a good land. The Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land. That's the way the Holy Ghost described it. said Canaan and the Holy Land is a good land. Wouldn't you like to live in a good land? I want to tell you something, friend. There's a, there's a land better than old Egypt. There's a land better than the old howling wilderness where no water is. But if you, if, listen, friend, you can only be three places. You're either in Egypt, you're in the wilderness, or you're in Canaan. And you've got to be in one or the other. There's nowhere else to be. Some of you have come out of Egypt and you're plodding toward home. You're, 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 you're marching through the burning Arabians. Oh, God's enticing you. You know they were kind of driven out. Oh, they were fleeing for the love. But now God's enticing. He said, oh, come over here. Come over here. Oh, it's flowing with milk and honey and corn and wine. Oh, oh, let me get there quick. Let me get some of that corn. Let me get some of that wine. I want to drink some of that milk. Let me get over there quick. Hallelujah. He created desire, a thirst, a yearning to get there. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst they'll be filled. Somebody said, oh, preacher, now be honest with us tonight. Preacher, is there really an experience that'll satisfy the longing of your soul? Oh, yes, 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 yes. There is a satisfying portion in God Almighty. He satisfieth the longing soul. Child of the kingdom, be filled the spirit. Nothing but fullness thy longing can meet. Tis the endowment for life and for service. Thine is the promise, so certain, so sweet. I'll pour water on him that's thirsty. I'll pour floods upon the dry ground. Open your heart for the gift I'm bringing. While they're seeking me, I'll be found. I need some help out there. Color preachers, I need some help. Where's my help? Oh, colored preachers are preaching, you know. 
he couldn't get he couldn't get the words out and the wheels of the chariot was going kind of slow and finally he got to, the wheels started turning and he started picking up a little speed oh he said my helpers come my helpers come it makes a difference friend when the helper comes well I read that and I asked myself how come Canaan's a good land why is it different from Egypt why is it different from the howling wilderness and I found several things will you stick with me for about 10 more minutes and I'll shut up will you will you Hang on, folks. Just, just hang on just a few more minutes. Number one, when I'm going somewhere, especially to move somewhere, there's a question comes up. Do they have any water? Is it good water? And is there plenty of it? Now, I've been to places where they didn't have just a trickle. Then I've been some places where it wasn't fit to drink. It smelt like rotten eggs. And they didn't have much of that. Now, listen. The Lord thy God bringeth into a good land, a land of brooks of waters. That word brook means creeks. Now you Yankees call it creeks, but south we call it creeks. There was creeks running everywhere. A land of brooks and uh, fountains and depths that spring out of hills and valleys. Praise God, there's water in Canaan. There's brooks. There's fountains. Hallelujah, Sister Judy. Fountains. I thought of that song and said, I'm drinking at the fountain where I ever would abide. For I've tasted life's pure water and my soul is satisfied. Is not this the land of Beulah? Blessed, blessed land of light where the flowers bloom forever and the sun is always bright. Tell me not of heavy crosses, nor burdens hard to bear. For this great salvation makes each burden light appear. Is not this the land of Beulah? I've reached the land of corn and wine, and all its riches really mine. Here shines on dim one blissful day, for all my night has passed away. Oh, Beulah land, sweet Beulah land, on the highest mount I stand. I look away across the sea, where mansions are prepared for me, and do the shining glory shore, my heaven, my home forevermore. Well, I say glory. It's good to live in Canaan where the grapes of Eskel grow. Oh, friend, why stay in the wilderness? Why stay in that howling wilderness? My God, why don't you by faith take that leap of faith and cross the river Jordan and shout down the walls of Jericho and enjoy this good land? God's willed it to you. It's your inheritance. Cross the Jordan. The word Jordan means death. A lot of wrestle. That's the reason a lot of folks don't go over. They want to die out to self. Amen. It's a death to self. Amen. You'll have to die out to selfishness. Die to self. And you'll have to attend your own funeral and be the chief mourner. Call in the casket and close the lid. Amen. You'll have to die. Oh, how hard it was to die. Just old self to crucify. Just to lose myself and find it, Lord, in thee. But oh, hallelujah. It's a luxury to get rid of yourself. Hallelujah, it is just to lose myself and find it, Lord, in thee. Well, and said it drinketh the water of the rain of heaven. 
I will give you the rain of your land in its new season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in the corn and wine and oil. God said, if you'll do that, if you'll come over here, I'll give you bumper crops. I'll fill your granaries. Amen. I'll fill your wine vats until they overflow and your oil vats. Hallelujah. Come on over. There is no drought in Beulah land. Just full of brooks and fountains with living springs on every hand in valley and on mountains. Well, I said this. I said that the old Jews had two rainy seasons. They had the early rain and the latter rain. And I said it looks to me like folks who live in the Holy Ghost dispensation ought to have at least two spells once a year. You ever have any rainy seasons? See, when they... When they planted their seed, they plant their seed. But listen, friend, I don't care how potent the seed is and how potent the fertilizer is and how good the soil is and how good you planted it. If you don't get some rain and showers and moisture, that seed will lie there dormant. But it takes rain, it takes heat and sunshine to get it to sprout and germinate and bring a crop. The problem of it is we have sowed and sowed and sowed and sowed but we're not getting the rain down. It just lies there. You say, how come we're not seeing a, a harvest? I said, we we're just not having the rain. We ought to pray God Almighty will form clouds over our churches and give us an outpouring that'll, that'll germinate the seed. There's been enough preaching here to save the world. But what we're lacking is the rain to germinate that seed. God would like to give all of us bumper crops in our churches. But most of our churches are dry. Dry. Well, I'm tired of dryness. I don't intend to sit around and dry up, bless God. You don't have to. I want to tell you something. Don't ever forget this thing. Water is never dry. Never. Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers. Now tell me under God's heaven how a man could have a well of water springing up in him or have rivers of living water flow and sit around dry dust. There just ain't no such a thing, honey. Old Brother Sullivan said, yip, yip. He said, there's a water ever moving your well. Some of you, the well hadn't stirred in your soul in so long. You sit in your face. I mean, I mean, hey. My God, help us. (laughs) Out of your belly will flow river. Who was that? What is that river? Thus spake he of the Holy Ghost. People got the Holy Ghost in them. It's got rivers. I mean, it's good to have a well. Everybody saves got a well. That's for your own enjoyment. That's for your own. But rivers is abundance. That's enough to share with miles and miles. The rivers flowing. Rivers of joy. Rivers of peace. Rivers of love. Rivers of the holy influence flowing out. John Wesley said a sanctified man's influence ought to reach a, a circumference uh, of 20 miles. 
Can I give you one more before I close? That ain't all, but let me give you one more. Why, it's a good land. I like this one. Now, keep in mind, they had an abundant water supply. By the way, um, preacher told me he's been Brother Bob, uh, charge of the healing service. What's his name? Bob Thompson told me, you know, they, they, they struck that rock. And God said, smite it. And they did. Moses struck it with his rod. And you know what happened? Water came out of that flinty rock. And about three million people and all their cattle and all their herds drank and satisfied the water coming out of that rock. Brother Bob told me, he said, that, that rock is called Moses Rock. And he said, BJ, water is still flowing from that rock. And one whole community gets their water from Moses Rock. And it's still flowing today. That's what the man told me. He'd been there about 12 times. Said it's still flowing out of Moses Rock. That's been, what, 3,500 years ago and it's still flowing. Bless God. Who said we had to dry up? Bless God. There is a river. Pull out the streams. Shall make glad the city of God. The river's full. I say, oh God, give us an old-fashioned gully washer. Amen, preacher. Amen. Amen. He's a tar heel, I know him. He's got the goods. What's the matter with him? His waters are moving in his well. What's wrong with you? Second thing, and I'll have to quit on this, and I don't want to worry you out. It was a land of hills and valleys. Not all hills and not all valleys. <laughs> Go ahead and preach. Go ahead. <laughs> Listen. Listen. That's right. <laughs> Amen. Sick up. Sick up.
I said it was the land of hills and valleys. Not all hills and not all valleys, but hills and valleys. I said there's ain't but two places to be in Canaan. You're either in the valley or on the mountain one. You can't be nowhere else. It's a land of hills and valleys. Now I live on the mountaintop, but I ain't always at home. I'm either going down or coming up one, but I live on the mountaintop. Hallelujah! <laughs> I guess that's why they call it the higher experience. And valleys is the deeper experience. The higher life and the deeper life. I tell you, there's no monotony in Canaan. Hills, I love the hills. I'm a hillbilly in case you don't know it. A tar heel to boot. A country boy. I'm, I believe David was the same way. He said, I'll look under the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord that made heaven and earth. He's the God of the mountains. But at the same time, he's the God of the valleys. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? He's the lily when I'm in the valley. My physician when I'm in pain. There are a lot of mountains over there. I've never been over there, but I studied a little bit about it. My son-in-law just got back, and he swam in down around Tiberias and Galilee. And he, I said, I said, Greg, of all the things you saw, of all the things you impressed you, what was the outstanding thing that you saw or felt or experienced in 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 in, in Jerusalem? In that, he said, B.J. When I come out of the tomb, when I came out of the garden tomb, he's risen. He's not in there. How do you know he's right? He's right in here. <laughs> I, I read in there where it said uh, there was Mount Carmel. That's where the fire fell. Mount Gilead. Mount Hermon. That's always snow covered. Mount Hor, Mount Lebanon, Mount Moriah, Mount Nebo, Mount Olivet, Mount Pisgah, Mount Tabor, Mount Zion, Mount Hebron, and Mount Calvary. And I don't know how many more, but there's a lot of mountains in Canaan. And why do you want to sit around in an old gloomy valley all the time for? One writer said, I'm dwelling on the mountain. Where the golden sunlight gleams or a land of wondrous beauty that far exceeds my fondest dream. Here the air is pure ethereal, laden with a breath of flowers. They are blooming at the fountain neath the amaranthian bowers. Is not this the land of Beulah? Blessed, blessed land of light where the flowers bloom forever and the sun's always bright. All I can see far down the mountain. For I wandered weary years, often hindered in my journey by the ghost of doubt and fear. Broken vows and disappointments thickly sprinkled all the way, but the Spirit led unerring to this land I hold today. Is not this the land of Beulah? Hallelujah! The word Beulah means married. If you're in Beulah, you're married to Jesus. Both he that sanctifies and they who are sanctified are what? One! When folks get married, they become one. You're part of the bride. You're married to Jesus. And he becomes the bridegroom of your heart. 
the lover of your soul. Oh my. Well, I, I read this and I'm stopping. Somebody said this, that, that uh, people who live in high elevations have got bigger lungs than people who live in the lowlands. And the reason for that is the air, the oxygen is kind of rare in the high elevation. So, so nature makes up for it and just gives you a bigger set of lungs to get what air there is. So, uh, uh, listen, uh, you, you, uh, you folks don't have very big lungs. Would you put up with us that do have big ones? Somebody said, people who live on those high mountaintops see daylight a long time before people do down in those dark valleys. People said, I just can't see it. No, you can't. They enjoy a longer day. I've seen it. I've seen the sun coming down the mountains. It'll strike those mountaintops. Sunrise will always strike those high mountain peaks. Then I've seen the sun slowly make its way down the sides of those. Finally, it'll get down the dark valley. I said, I see it, I see it, I see it. Well, other folks saw it 10 years ago. Amen. I believe it was Brother Caleb. Uh, been in Canaan now for 40 some years. And today is Caleb's birthday. He's 85 years old. And he comes to General Joshua. And he said, Joshua. Give me that mountain. Here he is, 85, and wanting to take a mountain. I want it for my inheritance. I want to spend my last days on the mountaintop. I want Mount Hebron. Hebron means fellowship. I want to spend my last days on the mountain of fellowship. Down at the bottom of Hebron was the valley of Eskel. The topsoil is 40 feet deep down in the valley of Eskel. Topsoil's been running in there for centuries. That's where Caleb and Joshua first came when they they were the first tourists of Canaan. They got there at the time of the first ripe grapes. You can smell the the musk of the grapes filling the valley. They were supposed to bring some of these home and show the people what kind of fruit was over there. I read this a long time ago and it said they cut down one cluster of grapes, tied it between their staff, and carried this big cluster of grapes. I said, them little sissies, them little weaklings, took two six-foot-tall men to carry one cluster of grapes home. But I didn't understand that grape school with a weighs 120 pounds per cluster. Biggest golf balls. <laughs> Amen. I'll tell you what that cluster of fruit did. It held two preachers together till they could get home. 
believe if we get the fruits of holiness in us, it'll hold us together till we get home. Man, I'll tell you, pop one of them grapes in your mouth and pop down on it. You're about strangle on the juice. Let me just say this. There are some valleys over there too. Did you know the valley of Jezreel or valley of Esdralon is 15 miles wide from this mountain to that mountain? Oh, by the way, correct me if I'm wrong, folks. To have a valley, you've got to have two mountains. Does that mean we should be twice as much on the mountain as we are in the valley? No. Takes two mountains to make one valley. I might be talking to somebody here tonight that's in the valley. You say, you ever been here? Yeah, I've been there too. I've been in some dark valleys where the cell of the sun seldom ever shine. Dark as a dungeon. <laughs> I want to tell you what I found out. Jesus will be more closer to you and more precious to you when you're going through the valley than any other place. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear not thou art with. Where are you with me? You know where you'll find God whenever his people's in trouble. Walking through the valley. Have you ever go through a valley 15 miles wide? Said they... One verse says, and they passing through the valley of Baca make it a well of water. And that word Baca means weeping. They passing through the valley of weeping make it a well of water. Depends on what you do when you go through the valley. You're not going to stay there. They passing through. And as you go through, you dig some wells for other people to drink out of. Fanny Crosby dug a lot of wells along her journey. And every once in a while I come and get a drink out of one of Fanny's wells. <laughs> For instance, blessed assurance. Have you ever drunk out of that one? All the way my Savior leads me. Have you ever drunk out of that one? Safe in the arms of Jesus. You ever drink out of that one? I shall know him. I shall... You ever drink out of that one? <sighs> oh, that's a good land, folks. All kind of good fruit over there delectable fruits. One man said, praise God, I got me some bananas out of Canaan land today. One man said, they don't grow bananas. Oh, he said, you ain't been far enough in. I'll tell you what God said about it. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. Didn't have to import anything. All they needed was there. And you'll be surprised when you get in this land how little of this world it takes to satisfy you. Just don't want it. There's no thirsting for life's pleasures nor adorning rich and gay for I found a richer treasure one that fadeth not away. As a land of honey I read that, it said milk flowing. I said, milk flowing. Are they pouring milk out over there? I'll tell you what I found out what it meant. 
They have, a, they have rich pastures over there. Uh, grass and lespedeza. They have cattle that grow in those lush green pastures. Those cattle go out there and graze all day in those meadows. When they come in for milking, one man said, I saw the milk dripping from their udders as they was coming to the stable. It was just flowing with milk. Dripping milk. <laughs> honey. A lot of honey over there. You got to have two things for honey. You got to have flowers and bees and they got oodles of them over there. Flowers grow in profusion. To me that speaks of the sweetness of holiness. Corn speaks of the strength of holiness. Wine speaks of the joys of holiness. Oh, the, oil, the, the, the olive oil speaks of the anointing of holiness. Where thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. There's no famine gaunt in Beulah land. All the bread of life is everywhere. Nobody has to go around starved. That's what the prodigal wanted when he come home. He said, my father's got bread in the spire and I just want to tell you tonight, the cupboard is full of bread. The cookies is on the Lord's shelf. And if you're hungry, God wants to fill you with himself. Could I have, could I have, do have a pen if somebody here could play? Okay, come on, brother. I want you to play, there's honey in the rock, my brother. I want you to play it very softly. This is one of Uncle Buddy Robinson's favorite songs. There's honey in the rock for you, my brother. There's honey in the rock for you. Brother Downing talked about those bees over there swarm. A lot of times they get in these rocks and they will build their, their hives in these rocks. And it'll get hot. And as it gets hot and hotter, the honey begins to melt and run down the rocks. Brother Downing said you take a long straw and stick it in the crack of that rock and suck honey out of the rock. <laughs> oh, there's honey in the rock, my brother. There's honey in the rock for who? You. Uncle Buddy said a sanctified man is so sweet that you can stick him in the ribs with a walking stick and you drip honey off the end of your walking stick. Are you sweet? Are you sweet at home? Are you sweet under pressure? Are you sweet to the wife and to the husband? Are you sweet on the board? <laughs> Hallelujah! I believe holiness can help us and keep us sweet under all circumstances. And satisfy deepest longing in the human heart. As they play, let's stand. If there's anybody who wants to pray, thank you for staying, folks. Thank you. If there's anybody who would like to pray tonight. I don't want to take for granted the heritage of holiness that has been passed on. I don't want to lose the fire. I don't want to lose the glory. And I long for Him.
Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Interchurch Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA. Keep passing it on, keep passing it on, keep